Good morning. Hello, Dr. Hanson. Shannon, how are you? Hey, I'm doing really good. Everybody, welcome aboard. Hey, we're excited to be here for another live broadcast with World Ministries International. Dr. Jonathan Hanson and the team. Today is Friday, August 25th, 2023. I'm sorry I missed last week's program with you, Dr. Hanson. Our internet was out. But yeah, yeah, I was the looking whole, forward to it. Me too. The whole area was out. So we were in the dark, but I'm glad to be restored and back with you today. And looking forward to a great show. You want to open us in prayer? Father God, we thank you, dear God, for again this opportunity to serve you, Lord. And we just pray, dear God, that each person will be excited by, again, this message today and these interviews, Lord, this discussion, dear God. They can see the reality of of again, the situation in America, around the world, as well as, again, the reality of altars. And so, Father God, just use this program to bring education, to bring glory to you, and bring the reality to people who, who don't seem to understand the power of the demonic and how the demonic can attack our lives. So, again, we just commit this program to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's program, I've got uh, the first one. I'm talking with apostolic leader Dennis Moore, as well as uh, Bishop Tobias Nehemiah. Church problems both in Kenya and America. The second one I'm teaching on altars. Altars are very important. I just finished two articles on altars. They will be coming out. If you don't get my pastoral articles, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Or telephone 360-629-5248 and tell them you want to receive my free pastoral articles. Two articles, pastoral articles on altars you're going to find fascinating. And then after that, there's going to be an article coming out on tattoos. I'll tell you what, we in America, we look like we're in India or somewhere now. I mean, just another culture. Americans say, oh, it's our culture. Yeah, demonic. You don't understand what they do in other cultures and why they tattoo their bodies and body piercing to please their demons, their gods, their altars. And we've done it in America, and the demons don't care if you're ignorant or stupid or naive. They don't care. They'll attack you either way. And we're being attacked today like never before. You know that, don't you, Shannon? Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, every one of those tattoos have symbolic power. And... Um Depending on what the tattoo is, they can even get a double dose. God forbid they put a dragon on there, which is Satan's calling card. It brings demons right into the person. No question about it. Well, you're going to enjoy it when I uh, teach on this very shortly. But uh, now let's begin. Apostolic leader Dennis Moore and Bishop Tobias Nehemiah. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, as well as Eagles Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. See what Eagle Saving Nations is all about. Join us today. In my studio today, I have apostolic leader Joe Moniki. He lives in America, but he's also a Kenya citizen. He has a burden for both countries. I have, again, Bishop Tobias Nehemiah. He's been associated with me since 1987 director of one of our Bible schools in Kenya, as well as a bishop on the board of the Pentecostal Holiness. I have apostolic leader Dennis Moore. Dennis Moore and I, we've been associated together for many years. He has a burden for the church, 
as all of us do. Dennis and I have been in different countries together, and we right now, all of us in this room, we are concerned over America, we're concerned over Kenya. And so we're going to be discussing America and Kenya today. I'm going to just read you just a portion of the dream I had. It says, in the early hours of June 8, 2023, around 3 a.m., I had a dream. I saw warriors seated at a round table planning strategy. I also saw a tree reaching through the clouds into the heavens. Immediately after seeing the warriors, Christians, and other leaders sitting together, getting clear direction from the Lord, I knew there was hope. Now, Isaiah 1.18 admonishes, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. So the tree I saw in my dream that was reaching into the heavens was called the tree of hope. I believe the meaning of the dream, there is hope if we work in unity. If church leaders will work together in unity as equals, representing and forgiving one another, as the round table represents, God will give a strategy for victory. Joe, I've heard you say before, if we can come together in unity. Elaborate on that. Yes, I'm the president of Unity of Church of Christ by Holy Spirit, which God gave me in 1987 when I was waiting God for six months and uh, then this vision came. And since then, uh, God has used our ministry in Kenya and here in America and about 58 nations. So I believe that also the prayer which Jesus prayed in John 17, but Paul put it very clearly that uh, we must come to the unity of faith, not doctrine, because doctrines can divide us. It has divided many, many churches. But I believe if we focus on Jesus, who is the one, who is and who was and will come, we must fulfill his call because I say, when we come here one, according to the Bible, John 17, the glory he has, he'll give us. So I believe the last day's church, mighty move of God, is a church to work together according to the prayer of Jesus and also to be a help to one another. Where you are strong, help the one who is weak. So you cannot shout more, help the one who have no voice. Like now we are with John and Hanson, you have all this great voice of uh, the ministry you have through the telecast, he reaches the whole world. So I believe this is a wonderful uh, platform to lead the body for the body of Christ to be one. Altars. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you just tuned in, watching radio, television, shortwave, social media, welcome. I'm going to just give a definition of altars. All throughout recorded history, altars have been erected and used by what one would consider pagans, Christians, Jews, and other religions. Altars can be good, but they can also be bad, depending on what they're used for. Many human sacrifices have been conducted on altars to appease their so-called gods. Even today, sacrifices like abortion is executed to appease a person's lust as they have given themselves over to the gods, the evil spirits, as they have elevated themselves to a god to do what is right and wrong in their own eyes. Again, these type of deceived individuals sacrifice their own children through neglect, and even murder, abortion, to go on pleasing their own immoral appetites. I spoke a few days ago in a service that the altars in America, the altars in Kenya are polluted. They're polluted. 
and the nation consequently is in trouble. Pastor Tobias? Yes, altars are very important in, in life, either whether you are a pagan or whether you are a Christian, because altars speak so much about who you are. And altars are erected uh, basically by people of what they believe. For instance, if you go to the Bible, we see Noah erected an altar so that God would restore life that he had and, and, and restore the land so that the land can be reproductive again. So altars are key in life, and especially as, to us as Christians. If our altars are, are, are filthy, then the blessings of God are not there with us. If our altars are clean, then God blesses that altar that we use, especially in the churches as well. And we're talking about now the church, the altar, uh, the pollution in the church, the distortion of the gospel, the manipulation of the gospel, the twisting of the gospel, nullifying again the gifts of the Holy Spirit, rejecting the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people using the church for personal gain. Our altars are polluted. The church has no authority. America is crumbling because of polluted altars. Uh, Dennis. You know, when we're talking about altars, we're, we're really talking about, in the New Testament, we're talking about the heart of the believer. And that is the place where God wants us to have a sanctified life. It's where he wants us to have a pure life. The That's other, right. The other day he was speaking to me and he said, I want everything to be kingdom. I want your thinking to be kingdom. I want your finances to be kingdom. I want your health to be kingdom. Every area of your life to be kingdom. And to have a pure altar means that we have a pure relationship between us and God. There's no, there's no, there's no uh, curtain in between. There's nothing that's hindering our relationship with him. And so the best thing we can do is say, Lord, help me to, to sanctify my altar. Show me where I need adjustment. Show me where I need to change so that I can, I can worship you with a pure heart. That's good, Dennis. Excellent. I know that, again, I am very concerned over America. America is, we have forces trying to topple the republic, move us into a new world order. A communist uh, manifesto, so to speak, is being carried out through America. The church is the only one that can stop it, and the church is not united. As we talked about, the church is divided. If we would come in unity, if we would have, again, get back to the gospel, we can win, but we must come together. And that's your burden, I know, yes. Apostle Joe, to come together. together. You know, to go back to the altar, you know, you need to divine who we are. Because we believe the last day church is not the building or the, the, the cinema hall or an stadium. As Dennis, you said, God told me, we need to, know, to, to divine ourselves. Where is the altar in yourself? Your spirit is the altar. Your soul is a sanctuary. Your body is a temple. So when you know that, we can put ourselves ready for God. Because an altar, why I said it starts with the spirit, because the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, that the, the spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord. So that's the altar. So when, as you, Dr. Henson, you are saying, if you are filled, we don't think light. We don't think about one another light. If I don't see anything good on you, and if I see something which is not good on you, I'm not there to curse you because this is what divides the unity. I'm there to pray for you or even tell you with love. So I believe as we cleanse ourselves from spirit, soul, and body, and that's what I preach perfection because many people, they say, oh, we cannot be perfected. 
Enoch perfected himself. He walked with God. Elijah walked that through and he could not die. And we believe we are the generation to see the coming of the Lord. Some will not die because I believe that because Jesus said that, that some of us who will be alive since 1948 when Isa came together, there are some who will not die. So we must divine your altar, which is your spirit. You must think light. You must think good things about the other people and also don't have an idol. Later we were had a, a speech and I said, when you are in Babylon, because if your soul is tinted, it has humanistic, uh, materialistic, you become, you are Babylon already, like Nebuchadnezzar, although he received a great prophecy from Daniel about the, his kingdom, but he built a big statue and so many altars, as you are saying, the church. Because many people, they can say, oh, Jonathan, you are so hard. No, 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 it's true. If we are not light from our spirit, even our physical altar will not be clean. So we need to cleanse ourselves first. So before we clean, other people allowed us. Well, you know, the true prophets in the Bible, like Jeremiah, when they came to give a word to the leader, the other false prophets around would say, oh, here comes this man that always has a bad word. Because they were polluted. And so God is very serious over his word. And when we pollute his word, God is not happy. He's not happy. We are representing the Lord. And let me tell you something. God is not happy with the people in Kenya or America that pollute and twist his word. Yes. Now, years ago, two angels came into one of my services. Two angels. And it was a large church, Dennis. Over a thousand. And people saw and they fell under the power of God for six hours. Wow. Now, when it was over, I asked the Lord, why did you send your angels? And the Lord said, my angels are always there. Now, they were writing down what I was saying. And I said, what were they writing? He said, two of my holy witnesses are always in every church. They're writing down what the person is saying behind the pulpit. And on judgment day, my two holy witnesses will either vindicate or condemn that person behind the pulpit if they twisted the word of God. Let me tell you, I am not hard. God is not happy with men who are twisting the word of God in America and Kenya. Yeah. Pastor Tobias? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, the word of God needs to be pure because it's, it is the word of God. When we stand in the pulpit on the altar, it depends. You see, the altar is, is meant for us to preach there as a clean vessel. But sometimes we go there and we are not right and not unclean in our hearts. Through for unforgiveness, we are not united in the body of Christ, is not united. And therefore, we are speaking, yes, but does God receive that word? I don't know. We need to be clean as we stand on the altar because that is where the word of God can reach his people, can speak to his people, bring salvation, bring deliverance, bring healing because we are clean vessels that are being used on the altar. I know that people have twisted the word of God in America, in Kenya. I've even heard of nonsense saying, for a thousand dollars, I'll pray and you'll be healed of cancer or holy water. You know, it's a disgrace what is going on in the name of God, Joe. Yeah, it's true because Jesus, every time he did a miracle, he didn't even ask anything. But because like now in Africa, especially in Kenya, I just came from there. There coming a time that even people to give a promise, you need to pay. Uh, something like you are being given a good promise, you need to pay. Which is tinting the word of God, which they say, oh, no, the old prophet, they, you could not go to a prophet without something on your hand. But that's sometimes 
you need to know even the money you are getting. Why are they giving you? You must have a pure heart. Are you doing it for God or you are doing it to yourself? Because we are living in the last day where every man's work will be tested with fire. And if you build your altar with gold and silver and wood and everything, the Bible says very clearly, every man's work will be tested. So whatever we do, let us do it from the Spirit because the Spirit have more discerning than the soul and our own interest. Once again, if you've just tuned in to the warning program, this is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, president of World Ministries International and Eagles Saving Nations. Worldministries.org, worldministries.org, join Eagles Saving Nations. We've got to have another great awakening or the republic is going to fall. Again, I have apostolic leader Dennis Moore, Bishop Tobias Nehemiah out of Kenya, and again, apostolic leader Joe Moniki out of Kenya, as well as America. And we are in trouble today. Moloch is ruling America. Moloch is ruling America. Moloch is ruling Kenya. They just, the Supreme Court, put in same-sex marriage. This is an abomination. Uh, These nations aren't getting better, Dennis. They're getting worse. They're compromising more and more for money, for filthy lucre, to get what they can get from the Biden administration. You know, the president's wife, Biden, flew in, and the next day they passed same-sex marriage. Let me tell you, if you think these countries are getting better, you don't know your Bible. Because crime is going up, immorality is going up, everything is getting worse. They are not getting better. You have pockets revival, but we need another great awakening. Now, I've got, these people are here because I trust them. I honor them as far as they're men of integrity. And that's why I'm working with them. Dennis, I know you're concerned. God had you start to focus on America because you can see the problem in America. We are so close. Now, you're a member of Eagle Saving Nations. I'm a member of it. Joe is, Tobias is. Because we need a revival. And that's our heart. That's your heart. But you know, Dennis, some people won't go. Some of these top apostles won't go to a nation if they don't get uh, first class airfare, if they don't stay in a five-star hotel. Good night. I've even slept in slums. I've taken buses, all-night buses from Nairobi to Kampala. And yet these guys won't even get on the plane. They say, I'm not called. Well, you're called, but your heart is polluted. Dennis? You know, we oftentimes when we travel to nations, we meet, well, we always meet leadership. And, you know, Paul says, I know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we can tell if a man is seeking the kingdom, if a man is laying down his life. The Bible says we're to lay our life down. And if that man's laying his life down and he's a seeker of the kingdom, then we'll say that is a kingdom man. And we know that man is being used by God. You know, it's one thing to be a pretender, but it's another thing to be a contender. And when you're contending for the kingdom and when you're pressing into the things of God, you're pressing into the heart of God, then God's going to breathe his breath into you and he's going to put his fire upon you. And there's going to be a sound that comes out of you that's going to penetrate the darkness and it's going to bring the light, it's going to bring transformation. And we need men and women to get on their faces before God, cry out to God, because this is a critical hour. We're not going to be able to save ourselves. We need the hand of God to come and to lift us up and 
and that will come when we cry out to him, when we repent, when we press into the kingdom, and the kingdom will come by force, and it will, it will transition, and it will change, and it will turn our, our, our nation. But we have to be those who are seeking God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. You know, Bishop Tobias, the three of us, Dennis and Joe and I, we live in America. And now Joe lives in both countries, but he lives in America more than Kenya. But you live in Kenya way more than America. You only come here every few years for a month or two. But you see your nation. You see it's getting worse. I think you also see some of the manipulators, the con men behind the pulpit. What is your concern how people are twisting the gospel for personal gain? Well, Dr. Hansen, I think there are two things that uh, concerns me as far as the church and the body of Christ in Kenya is concerned. Number one is the, the hypocrisy that I see in Kenya. A lot of our brothers and, and sisters in the Lord are hypocritical. They say one thing and they do the other. We shouldn't be. We need to be people of our word. Men and women of integrity. Because that is what will change people. People will, we can say all that we like, but people also watch us of what we do. And uh, when we, we do something in one way and we say one thing and do the other thing, even those that would want to become Christians, they will never be. That's number one. Number two is uh, unity, like we started off. I don't, I don't think our church in Kenya is united. I think there is a lot of disunity still, and I hope and pray that we will be united. Because Psalm 133 says, How blessed and how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Because that is where the Lord commands a blessing. When we are united, God himself will command a blessing. But if you are not united, the blessing will never be there. Well, I know both nations, supposed men of God, are around the president. I know that uh, Donald Trump had a lot of supposed men of God. But I doubt it. You know why? Because he went with a homosexuality. Now, you tell me if these were men of God, why they then change his mind? You tell me. Why then they change his mind if they were men of God? Why didn't, don't they know the word of God? Why aren't they led by the Holy Spirit? Why did they prophesy dogmatically he would win the election? God saw the corruption and knew he wouldn't be the president. But they doubled down. He'll get in this state, this state. And it never happened. I'm telling you, there's people called man of God, men of God, women of God, whether it's surrounding the president or, again, on the airwaves that are not men of God like they purport to be or think they are, because why aren't these leaders changing? I know when I meet with them what I say, there's no doubt. I don't meet with them for a photo op. How come Donald Trump backed homosexuality, and I'm all for Donald Trump, don't get me wrong. He's way better than the other side pushing everything immoral and amoral and trying to topple the republic. But still, I'm not happy that men of God supposedly did not change his mind when he was surrounded supposedly by many. And they, they said again, prophesied strongly that he would win, and they doubled it down, oh, in a month, and two months, three, well, now it's about all over the next election. So what is going on with these so-called prophets? Tobias? You know, uh, Dr. Eisen, one thing I can tell you. 219, 
God told me to go and dedicate America back to God. And there were 800 pastors. In fact, I, I was able to talk with uh, our brother, Senator Blansberg, and uh, also the one who was convening the conference. I told them, you guys, it was like two months before the election. I told them, I'll be sent here. I had fastest 56 days for America because I believe if you have one man, I, the Lord was telling him, start here. And I told those people, you people, you have been gathered here, 800 pastors. They were praying for election. And that's the week to confirm what you're saying. The homosexual was very so lampant in D.C. that time. So all these people, and you know, I want to tell you people, if you are not careful, we caused the downfall of the Trump because he needed a true man of God. Because I was there. I went there with my late wife and I carried some intercessor from here in Washington. We fasted. Nobody could come to that prayer, Dennis, without three days dry fasting. Yeah, D56. Because I believe that was God has brought Donald Trump to bring this country where it needed to be. But men allowed him. They were not true for some of them. Men of to confirm what you are saying. Amen. I was there. Men of God failed. You know, I just spoke just a few weeks ago to the Republican conference here in Washington State. Just spoke. I prayed over hopefully the next governor, Simi Bird, Republican. And I had all of these people in the studio trying to get them elected in this studio. And, but when I spoke there, uh, I was one of the keynote speakers, one of the few church leaders that spoke at a Republican conference. I said, you know, even if we put all of you into office, and I'm trying, but unless you understand, I've been listening to you and you've accepted homosexuality. If we put all of you into office and you don't come against sins of abomination, let me tell you, you might prevent the republic from falling immediately, but it will fall because judgment is coming. Let me tell you, it was first quiet and then I had a standing ovation. I tell you what, you can put conservatives in if you don't come against sins of abomination. God is going to judge this nation anyway. Pastor Tobias? Dr. Hansen, I think it is unfortunate that uh, both here in America and uh, in Kenya and even in other nations as well, that God puts lead around puts the prophets around the leader, and unfortunately they prophesy something that tickles his ears, not what he wants to hear, something that pleases him. And that is very unfortunate that uh, we are not able to speak the word of God as it is. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching, listening, the warning program, Apostolic Leader Dennis Moore, Apostolic Leader Joe Monicki, again, uh, Bishop Tobias Nehemiah. I'm Dr. Hansen, World Ministries International, Eagle Saving Nations. All of us, all of us have a big burden, not only for America, but the nations around the world, Kenya in particularly. We have to have another great awakening in America, in Kenya. We're all part of Eagle Saving Nations. Go to my website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Join it so you can help us get into the stadiums in America, in Kenya. We've got to have another great awakening or both nations will fall. I'm going to talk on altars today. Many people don't understand uh, the importance of altars. I did seven Weeks of messages on demons. Number one was demons. Two, demons are organized. Three, the etiology of demons in people. Four, can Christians have demons? Five, mediums, charms, fortune-telling, etc. Six, Le the Leviathan and marine spirits. And seven, marine spirits in the movie Avatar, Hinduism. So, you can look at our website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org. 
And if you haven't done it, please look at or listen, radio and television, seven days a week, look or listen to these programs. Very important, because I believe America is especially ignorant of demons. They don't know, understand altars. They don't understand sacrifice any longer. Uh, I've never seen the ignorance I'm seeing in America today, just totally naive. They're being attacked to and fro, they're being beat up, and they don't even know where it's coming from. They don't know when they open the doors and, and all of a sudden, by their own fault and guilt, spirits are attacking them. So they don't recognize it. If you don't recognize your enemy, how do you defeat your enemy? If you don't know your enemy, how do you keep your enemy from breaching the walls? And that's our problem in America today. We have become so naive, so ignorant, so backslidden, actually, that many nations around the world understand these entities way better than we do. Revelation 9, 1 through 12. I'm not going to read that today. We're not going to study it today. But I do want to make a point that talks about the plague of demons coming out of the abyss, bottomless pit, to torment man for five months. Revelation 9, 13 through 21. Plagues of demons out of the abyss to slay one-third of mankind. As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, demonic activity is going to become more and more intense. And so we've got to become aware of these things if we want to keep ourselves protected from unnecessary attack. I say unnecessary because it's not, we're going to be attacked, but unnecessary. Do we open doors to demonic activity? Well, I believe most Christians do. I believe most Christians, I could go into most churches and cast out demons out of many Christians. They don't understand it. They don't understand maybe their disease came from their activities, from their emotions, from what they ate. Yes, if we could apply the word of God, but many cannot apply it. They cannot live by it. They understand it. They can speak it, but they cannot walk in that type of reality. We're supposed to walk in Pentecost, walk in revival, but we don't. Now, some do. If you do, praise the Lord. But I'm talking about generally speaking. America is a mess. The church is a reflection of the nation. The nation's a mess. The church is a mess. Altars. All throughout recorded history, our altars have been erected and used by what one would consider pagans, Christians, Jews, and other religions. Altars can be good, but they can also be bad, depending on what they're used for. Many human sacrifices have been conducted on altars to appease their so-called gods. Even today, sacrifices like abortion is executed to appease a person's lust as they have given themselves over to God slash evil spirits, as they have elevated themselves to a God to do what is right in their own eyes. You know, the Bible is very clear. God resists the proud. How do you become a God even in your own eyes, even if you don't recognize it, just have too much pride. Where nobody can talk to you. You know it all. The danger is you're deceived. Again, these type of deceived individuals sacrifice their own children through neglect and even murder, abortion, to go on pleasing their own immoral appetites. Appetites. I don't have the article with me. I did see it yesterday. Dr. Brockhart brought it to my attention how this Presbyterian woman, pastor, God forbid, not because she's a woman, but because of her ignorance. She was glorifying she's had two abortions and she sees nothing wrong with it. 
The source of the article I'm going to read and others, I'm, I'm using the Bible. I'm also using gotquestions.org. I had Pastor Tobias write an article on it. So we'll see how far I get along on this subject, altars. Very important. An altar is any structure upon which offerings, such as sacrifices, are made for religious purposes. It was usually raised platform with flat surface. There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible. The word altar is first used in Genesis 8.20, when Noah built an altar to the Lord after leaving the ark. However, the idea was present as early as Genesis 4.3-4, when Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord. They most likely presented their offerings on some type of altar, even though the word altar is not used in that passage. You know, the word toilet is not used in the Bible either, but obviously it was there. A latrine, a hole in the ground, something. So you don't have to just sometimes find the exact word to know it's there anyway. It's obvious. It's intuitive. An altar always represented a place of consecration. Before God gave his law to Moses, men made altars wherever they were out of whatever material was available. An altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with God that had a profound impact upon someone. Abram, Genesis 12, 7. Isaac, Genesis 26, 24 through 25. Jacob, Genesis 35, 3. David, 1 Chronicles 21, 26. Gideon, Judges 6, 4. They all built altars and worshipped after having a unique encounter with God. An altar usually represented a person's desire to consecrate himself fully to the Lord. God had worked in a person's life in such a way that the person desired to create something tangible to memorialize it, to remember it. During times of Israel's rebellion and idolatry, the Lord's altars fell in disrepair. They fell apart. The prophet Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal and Mark Carmel, quote, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down, unquote, 1 Kings 18.30. Elijah's restoration of the altar was significant, given the rampant paganism of the day. Also, in spite of the fact that he was living in a divided kingdom, the prophet symbolized the unity of God's people in his construction. You know, altars are torn down all through America. All through America. Churches have shut down. Or, inside the church, is pure paganism. Distortion of the word of God. Eulogizing abortion. Promoting homosexuality. Altars are polluted. Also, in spite of the fact that he was living in a divided kingdom, we're talking about Elijah, the prophet symbolized the unity of God's people in his construction. We are a divided people. The church is a mess. It's divided. The nation is divided because the church is dysfunctional. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. 1 Kings 18, 31-32. 
It was on this altar, rebuilt altar, that God rained down fire and put Baal worshipers to shame, verses 38 and through 39. We, if we can have a great awakening and we rebuild the altars throughout America, the churches, on rebuilt altars, meaning a revival, there can be, again, mighty miracles and unity throughout this nation. But we have to rebuild the altars. Sometimes God himself commanded that an altar be built after he had delivered someone in a miraculous way. Deuteronomy 27, 4 through 7, as well as Exodus 30, verse 1. I think testimonies are very, very important to give God the glory. If something really happened to you in a positive way, we should be giving God the glory. Again, God in the past sometimes demanded it, commanded it. Altars be built. We have the freedom, but do we give God the glory when we should? Such an altar would be a memorial to help future generations remember the mighty works of the Lord. Because atonement is God's work, the law specified that an altar made of stones must be made with natural, uncut stones. For you will defile it if you use a tool on it. Exodus 20.25 do we defile the altar of God, the church of God? I believe we do a lot in America. By abortion, some promote homosexuality, some promote having times when you can come and get a free tattoo when actually the Bible condemns it. Sin is sin all the way through the Bible. Grace has not changed that. Do you know what grace is? Because grace is all through the Old Testament or David would have been executed. All through the Old Testament, there's grace. It was established in the Old Testament. Cities of refuge, on and on and on. All grace is. It's time given when the Spirit's in the body to judge yourself so God doesn't judge you now, right now, when you sin. That's all it is. Grace is just a matter that God did away with the law of sin and death. In other words, He is there to forgive, and you don't have to, be eternally separated, eternally damned. That's grace. But sin remains all through the Bible, Old or New Testament. God doesn't nullify it. I'm going to be speaking on tattoos next week. Even what God says and what the heathen do, and how God says, don't touch your body like the heathen. Even it goes into contamination of the blood with some of these tattoos. But we don't care. We know it all. We're our own little God. When God gave instructions for the tabernacle, he gave detailed instructions for the kind of an altar the courtyard should contain, Exodus 27, 1 through 8. On this altar, the people made sacrifices that God accepted as atonement for their sin. Is your sacrifice, your life accepted? Are your prayers answered? Or nothing happens when you pray? Maybe it's a good time to examine the altar. Is it polluted? It was to have four horn-like projections, one on each corner. It had to be large enough to hold sacrifices of bulls, sheep, and goats. For the temple that Solomon built, the altar was made of pure gold, 1 Kings 7, 48. Again, our altars, our lives. Do we attend a church that believes in the full gospel? Are you wasting your time attending and praying there? Because instead of a blessing, a curse and judgment falls. Do we have an altar that we can have a miracle or no altar because it's polluted? And you can bind and loose until you go to your grave and nothing will happen. 
In the broadest sense, an altar is merely a designated place where a person consecrates himself to something or somebody. Many church altars, buildings, have altars for prayer, communion, weddings, and other sacred purposes. Some Christians create their own altars for personal worship as visible reminders of Romans 12.1, which says to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Every human heart has an invisible altar where the war between the flesh and the spirit rages. When we surrender our ideas, our areas of our lives, to the control of the Holy Spirit, when is the key word, when we surrender, we are in effect laying that area on the altar before God. Do we literally lay it on the altar? It's a difference between literally laying it, forsaking it, changing, and talking. We can symbolically lay that on the altar and let go. We don't need a flat top surface. We can surrender our lives to God on the altar of our hearts at any time. Again, the article, gotquestions.org, talks about altars, what I just read. Pastor Tobias, Genesis 8, 15 through 22, Noah built an altar, taking some of the clean birds and clean animals. Why use clean birds? Why did he use only clean birds and animals? Because some animals are considered unclean. Leviticus 11 speaks about such animals and birds as pigs, vultures. Again, I'm elaborating, I'm establishing, explaining what I'm reading. What about our altars? Is it clean? Or do we have the unclean? And then we want God to hear us. We've talked before. I had Dr. Buckhart in one of my programs. He kept using if, 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 meaning, hey, the word of God is true, if, if, if you do these things. We don't like if, if, if. So we cherry pick. Oh, God will do it. He, he won't do anything unless you, if you have an unclean altar. You are wasting your breath. These are things we must learn. If you had a godly pastor properly teaching you, do we have clean altars? Are we using, according to Genesis, clean birds and clean animals? Not the unclean. Are we mixing with vultures and pigs, crabs, lobsters, animals considered unclean? Why? Because of the toxins inside of them. As a Christian, you won't go to hell for eating them. You might go to heaven faster. Because they're not, Jesus, when he ascended, did not sanctify these things. And doctors will tell you, stay away from them, especially if you have some diseases. There's toxins that come out of them. Toxins kill you if you get enough of them. But again, Christians who become their own little gods, they don't care. I can just pray and God will bless. No, he won't bless. He's already cursed it. How can you bless what God has cursed? Unless you're so deceived in your own little eyes. I'm a little God. I can do what I want. The Bible works if you read it in context, not cherry pick. Genesis 8.20, Noah built an altar, took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. So we see 
in the text that Noah built an altar. I don't believe it was the first altar. I think he's, Adam and Eve passed it on. We pass the truth on. Truth that was established in the Old Testament is not regurgitated in the New Testament. You're supposed to already know it. Just like if you know one plus one is two, you don't take basic arithmetic over when you're in algebra. It's established. You're supposed to already understand that. But people don't understand sin is sin all through the Bible. Grace is grace all through the Bible. Again, what does altar mean? A sacred place for sacrifice and gifts offered up to God. The word altar comes from the Latin, meaning high, and also the Latin, which means to ritually burn or sacrifice, which, which suggests its early purpose as detailed in the Bible. Do we continually, daily offer sacrifice to the Lord? Now, we did it today by worshiping if our altars were pure. Okay, I'm just going to break it down, unravel the scriptures. If we were pure, God was pleased. If our altars was not pure, we raised holy hands, yet we're in deliberate rebellion or sin or stubbornness. God did not receive from that impure altar. You know, it's pretty elementary. He said, but grace, yeah, grace is there so he didn't smite you dead. Grace is there so you have time to repent and get your altar pure. That's what grace is all about. The law of sin and death. So as long as you accept Christ, you're not eternally damned. But then make sure your altar is clean or your prayers mean nothing. See, I'm just telling you very basic spiritual arithmetic. But yet the basics in America are totally thrown out the door. We don't understand them. So why the altar and sacrifices? It's important to note that altars are also built by the ungodly as protection of some kind to keep and protect their affairs, wealth, or family, children. It's very common practice in the Asian communities and the African communities. They understand this way more than Americans do. Why did Noah build the altar? For the restoration of the ground. When we repent, we need to rebuild our altars. Literally put on the mind of Christ, not talk about it. Literally transform the word of God into our mind, not talk about it. Literally adapt the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control, repentance, forgiveness, not talk about it. This is rebuilding the altars so your prayers are answered. God had cursed the ground. It became unproductive. Genesis 4, 9 through 13. So Noah had to invoke God's blessing to, by building the altar to reverse the curse, as we read in Genesis 4.12. It was for the preservation of the creatures, Genesis 4.12. The question we may ask ourselves is, why didn't God talk before Noah built an altar and make sacrifice? He told Noah to get out of the ark, and Noah got out. But God did not give him further instructions on what to do. You know, we need to follow God one step at a time. Why should God go ahead of you when you can't even take the first step? Many times as I take the first step, even when I touch my foot on the country God told me to do, boom, he gives me revelation. I touch it in the Cayman Islands. Touch my foot. God said go. Touch my foot on the ground. And God gave me a word for the president. And two days later, I was in his home giving the word. I had to have obedience and take the first step. Noah received by revelation things from God, but he had to take the first step. He had to get in the ark. He had to build the ark. He had to get out of the ark. And God continued to lead him. 
Moses, the same way, all the way through the wilderness. First, he had to go back and confront Pharaoh. We need to take the first step. There's a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to lay up goods for coming lean months when nothing will grow. Seasons help us to depend on God for our livelihood. Shannon Davis, good friend of mine, lives in Bali, Indonesia, omegamanradio.com. He's been in Indonesia. He gave a testimony. He, and he, you know, he said how Indonesia, and where he's living in Bali, is heavenly uh, conducted. And, and everywhere you look, there's altars. It's contracted demons everywhere. Reportedly, 35,000 temples, altars, and shrines. You can quickly determine whether your neighbor is Muslim, Christian, Hindu, etc., by if you know what the altar means. He wanted to rent a house, but everywhere had altars. Every place he looked, there was a Hindu landlord. And the Hindus, the Balinese here, they have two altars to their gods in their front yards. If you're wealthy enough, you have a whole temple in your backyard. And then there's a temple in the neighborhood. He, he, they said, hey, to the person, if you're willing to take down these altars, we'll rent it. We'll rem and the lady said, if you're willing to do it for two years since I haven't worshipped there and I didn't build it, if you're willing to rent it, I'll remove it. They said, yes. Now, every front yard Hindus, there's two large, let's say six-foot altars, and these have a throne at the top and these steps that go right to the throne. The throne is where the demon sits. And to protect it from the sunlight, you'll usually see an umbrella giving the demon shade in the sunlight. Again, she said, I bought the house for an investment. I never sacrificed there. I could not remove them if I did. But since the previous landlord did not remove them, when he moved, as they normally do, they relocate their altars that they built, then I'd be willing to remove them if you rent the place for two years, as I mentioned, and he agreed. The landlord sent out a crew to dismantle the altars. A shaman came out with two ladies. They were all dressed in white. At night time, they set up a big floodlight. It attracted really the whole neighborhood to see what was going on. This guy recorded it on camera. The shaman came out to do a ceremonial removing of the altar. They have to pray. Then they took the big sledgehammer and they broke the stone one at a time. What the video shows is a man went into a trance. The demons that lived in the altar in our yard came out and possessed him said, we will go, but send us to the waters. That's what the demons told the man. So these were marine spirits that went back to the altars, and they went back to the waters as they proceeded to destroy the altar and remove the debris into the water. They took the rubble, took it to the ocean. These were literally spirits that lived in the altars that were worshipped, and they wanted now to go back to the water. Marine spirits. I can go out of my house and look every day at one of the neighbors or more and see what kind of altar they have. They sacrifice every day, bringing food, etc., to the altar for their God to appease them. Ladies and gentlemen, demons are real. What kind of altars do you have in your life? Are they pure? Are they not? You can have a pure altar. You can repent right now and say, God, forgive me of my stubbornness or whatever else sin that opens up demonic activity in our diseases. God bless you. Shannon? You described it exactly like we witnessed it, and we see it here every day continue. 
I will say one thing. The Hindus put their faith where their belief is. They get out there every day. And then the Muslims on the other side, you'll hear them at 5 a.m. with a call to prayer. Makes me angry sometimes because you're trying to sleep to wake you up if you're too close. I know. To one of the, uh, the mosque. And I know you've experienced that being in these countries. And here we are as Christians, and many of us can't pray five minutes a day. Can't even open up our Bibles. We're in some serious trouble, Dr. Hansen, because the enemy means business. And the enemies of the cross, they mean business, and literally they're coming to make war on the saints. Jesus said, well, I find faith when I return. If ever we needed to get serious about serving the Lord, I'm talking about the body of Christ as a whole, and sell out to Jesus, no more compromise, it's now, or the enemy is going to just run ripshot over us. What a powerful teaching you brought today on altars. I'll tell you what, I've got another one coming up and then tattoos. And uh, I know you know these things, but I'll tell you what, it's going to really open up people's eyes. Also on this altars earlier, I'd mentioned Romans, demons coming out of the abyss. That was the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation does tell us, as well as the whole Bible, the effect of demons and, and how they're only going to increase, including slaying a third of mankind. So let me tell you something, Shannon. People need to be aware. They need to be prepared. They need to understand these things. They need to know how to resist the enemy and fight the enemy because their families are at stake. Not yet their nations, but their families personally are at stake. Our nations are really coming under attack. Indonesia, where you live. But you understand the situation so you can protect your family. And we need to protect our families. We need to understand these things. You know, I personally lived, lived in Singapore, Malaysia, and Africa. Like you mentioned, 5 a.m. You know, the Muslims pray five times a day. They're very serious. It goes off at 5 a.m. If you're in their neighborhood, you hear their prayers. It's on the loudspeaker. We need to become very serious with the Lord. We need to understand our power, our authority. We need to understand what we can do to protect our families. Shannon? You know, Dr. Hansen, if we had compromised and said, well, we just can't find a place, you know, we really are tired of being in this hotel, what the heck, let's just do it. Brother, I would have been under constant demonic attack from day one. Totally. You can't have a demon as a roommate. Um, yeah, you might have seen him coming at you when you were in your bed, Shannon. Lord Jesus, it's the truth. You know, Deuteronomy talks about where the Lord said, tear these altars down, break these idols, you know, burn these groves. And that's what we need to do in America. But sadly, these are some of the national monuments. Look at the Washington Monument. Is that not a phallic symbol? Yes, you're or right. A Statue of Liberty. I heard that's really Diana, one of the goddesses that was worshipped. And so we've got them all over this country. They need to be brought down. I'll tell you what, one other thing I wanted to mention, I've been kind of meditating on the book Revelation and a time coming where there will be a call for people to take the mark of the beast and worship the image of the beast. And that image could take a number of forms, but if I recall the scripture, image is talking about an idol. Could we see the erection of the ultimate altar to Satan? The literal image of the beast that he's going to try to force everybody to bow down to, like back in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's days, they had to bow down to the idol, or they would be thrown in the furnace. We cannot afford to bow to these idols. And we need to know a lot more worse is coming before the Lord returns, and we need to be prepared 
to endure to the end and say, no, I will not bow to that idol. I will not worship the beast. I will not renounce Jesus Christ, etc. if we're going to make it. Well, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, the image of the beast, you can see stereotypes of that image on your money, on everything else. Like you said, on monuments, people don't understand. They're trying to, again, digitize everything, your money, trying to put it into your body as far as where you're not going to be able to buy or sell we're going to have to really rise up. We're going to take a stand. It's no more where we can just ignore things in the future. God is going to make us take a stand. Get off the fence. Either identify as a son of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, an ambassador, or you will take the mark of the beast. That is coming, and it's not too far off. I appreciate the work that you do, Dr. Hansen, all of you at World Ministries International, because you preach the truth. You are sounding the alarm. And folks, the truth will set us free. And when you know the truth, you're not going to be deceived when you see these things coming because you're going to be able to spot them and say, there it is. That's a deception we were warned about. And we have to sidestep this at all costs or we'll go down with the ship. I encourage you out there to support World Ministries International. Dr. Hansen, how can they do that? How can they support WMI and also become a member of Eagle Saving Nations? Yeah, and I truly hope they do both. Uh, we do need resources to continue on our programs throughout the world, radio, television, Eagle Saving Nations. We've got to get into the national stadiums, not only America, around the world. We've got to have, again, the power of God come down, touch the lives of the believers as he touched Peter and the others. You know, Peter was a coward before Pentecost. He ran, he hid, he lied. But wow, once the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God came on him and he continued to keep that relationship strong and healthy so it only increased. Then he went out and preached that sermon basically to the same people that he was afraid of. 3,000 were saved. Worldministries.org, worldministries.org. My website, worldministries.org. You can give that way. You can join Eagles Saving Nations. The goal is, again, to have a great awakening in America and other nations. Worldministries.org. You must join Eagle Saving Nations. If you're concerned over the salvation of America, unless you don't care or unless you're asleep, join Eagle Saving Nations. Help us have another great awakening, a national repentance. Again, you can write a check, address it to WMI, Send it to P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. That's WMI is what you put on the check. World Ministries International on the envelope, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Phone number 360-629-5248. 360 once again, 360-629-5248. Operators are there. They will be happy to help you. And click on my website, study it. Thousands and thousands of pastoral articles as well as so much more information, newsletters. Click on TV, radio, and you can watch our daily programs Monday through Sunday, seven days of week. Shannon? Dr. Hansen, for the archive today, what shall we title this message? We could title it, Church problems in Kenya, America, and altars. I love it. That's perfect. Thank you, my brother, and all of you at WMI. We love y'all, and we'll see you next week. God bless y'all. God bless you, Shannon.